A couple of things before we get into the teaching, and I'm in uh, the book of Joshua, chapter 8, this morning. I'll be starting with verse 30, because there's a little piece here that I think God wants to use in a great way, so if you want to turn there in your Bibles, um, and uh, also I'll be in Deuteronomy uh, is it 27 and 28 as well, if you want to mark those two spots, and we'll be flipping around a little bit. A couple of things, first off. Uh, first, I'd like to introduce you to Bill and Patty Valasek over here. Uh, welcome. And uh, these two, and I just have to say that in order to become a member, you don't have to talk to me like this up front, all right? But these guys are excited, and so they would like to join the church today officially, so want to welcome them into membership, and as a testimony, all right? As, as a testimony of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the desire to be part of his body and his kingdom, they want to make that official today. So awesome to have you guys. Welcome into membership. And is there, is there a possibility you want to share? Not necessary, but uh, you're welcome to. All right. All right. Great. All right, here you go. Send this your way. Well, um, when we moved away back to the Loveland area this last summer, we were really sad. And um, then the flood came, and we couldn't come here to church. So all winter, we were praying and asking God his, his plan for us for church. And um, he really answered us and told us to get back up here. And so we're really excited to be here. Um, and we've gotten a warm welcome from everyone, and we're very, very tickled to be here. Awesome. Thank you, Patty. All right. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Welcome. Welcome uh, to, as members of the church. It's awesome. And uh, yeah, give glory to God. Uh, would you guys just be out, out in the lobby on the way out today so people can greet you and congratulate you and welcome you? That's, that'd be terrific. And if, uh, if you desire to know more about membership, I have a class that I teach called the New Community Class. And they took it previous quite a while ago and then put everything on hold when the move came about. So I try to get a group of people together to take it for discussion's sake and because I'm all about small groups. Uh, so if that interests you, take that response card and just write on there, you know, uh, new community class. That would be just fine. It doesn't mean you're joining, but at least you can explore and ask questions about the church and stuff. Once I get a core of people, I'll, we'll put it all together and we'll have a class, okay? Very good. Bless you guys. Wonderful to have you. Um, another exciting piece. For the first time in the history of Summit Church, we are, as God wills, about to actually establish an official physical presence in our community. Yeah. Because on Thursday, I signed papers for our church to purchase office space over where the old Estes Park uh, pharmacy used to be. Okay? So. And so that's kind of exciting. Good visibility right there. Please pray with us. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. So we're just committing this to the Lord. And we're walking forward on this thing. And uh, we've actually, we actually made an offer of zero. And they didn't take that offer. Uh, 
<laughs> uh, but, it, but it was uh, originally around uh, $235,000, and uh, he's going to uh, sell it to us for $195,000 and then give back to the church $25,000. So that's a pretty cool gift, huh? Yeah. And so just trust in the Lord. And if, if that inspires you and if, if that's something you want to help with, then be sure to talk to me and, and uh, just pray. Pray that God's will will be done and all that. But I'm excited, all right? So we'll have to go have a prayer meeting over there and just bless that place. So officing there and still meeting here, okay? But continue just to pray for favor with the schools because I know there's always change at the schools. But isn't it great to be able to have a worship space like this? Yeah, yay God, right in the heart of the community. And the office is right there as well. So good deal, yay God. Well... Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. As we get into this teaching, um, I always want to make sure that you're ready. So just take a moment. Cast your cares on the Lord, all right? I'm not, I'm not saying that with a trivial tone, okay? Know that God takes the stuff that you're concerned about seriously and just give those things that you're concerned about to Him right now. I know they can weigh in and keep you from hearing what the Holy Spirit is teaching. Cast your cares on him. The uh, theme of this teaching has been be courageous. And I'm going to take a chance right now and be courageous because when I came in this morning, I was uh, told something that's really grieving me right now. Uh, We sang beautifully during our worship time talking about what Jesus accomplished on the cross. We sang songs that were lifting up the power of our God. And I was just informed earlier this morning that one of our uh, young men in this fellowship has had a, who's been struggling with alcohol, has uh, fallen back and relapsed. And I personally can relate to that. Those of you who know my testimony know that I struggled for 25 years with that addiction. And I'm taking a chance of being courageous ask the summit body corporately right now to to help me pray for this situation. We know that our God can overcome and defeat anything that he desires to. And he has the strength, we sang it this morning, he has the ability to heal deeply beyond what anybody could imagine. So I'm taking that courageous step to pray for this young man today. And I'm going to go outside my comfort zone and also ask any other, any other person in this congregation who's ever struggled. If you've struggled with an addiction, if you've got the courage, come on up and stand with me while we intercede on behalf of this young man. Doesn't matter whether it was alcohol, could be whatever. But if you've struggled and you have not had the ability on your own to overcome that problem, which I did not, 
there were many who prayed for me, and I know that prayer is going to make a difference in this situation. I know that if we stand together united as a body, powerfully we can come before our God and petition him to do a mighty work in this young man's life and to heal him so thoroughly as he did me where he will no longer have the want to. You know, folks, that you are healed deeply in your heart and in your being when you no longer want to do it. It's no longer an issue. Those of you who would like to, if you want to join hands with someone next to you, I'd... Well, hold on, Doug, just a minute. You've got people up here, you know, that you said struggle with an addiction, and I know some others have come up to join them as well. But now I want to invite up anyone who has faith to believe that God breaks curses and delivers from bondage of addictions. I want you to come and surround these people right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mark and I have kind of had a hell, a hell week. And first, our, our son who's married um, came and told us that they're separated. And so we moved him out Tuesday from his house, from his wife. And then uh, Jeremy... Um, was on death row again with alcohol. So um, it's a miracle that he's still here. So Mark and I just really need your love and prayers on behalf of Josh and Jeremy. Thanks. Father, we know that the finished work that you accomplished on the cross is sufficient. It is more sufficient than we could ever imagine to intercede in these situations, Lord. Father, we know that your word tells us that there was a man whose son kept throwing himself into the fire through the demon that was in him. And we know that this didn't happen just once, but this came many times. And yet we know that when the parents came to that point where they sought you out and said, Lord, we know that you can heal him, that you said, yes, I will do that. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the power that you have to Heal a man's heart. You're more strong than any of the demons. You're more powerful than any darkness that exists in this world. That just by speaking the word, demons obeyed you and came out. Father, we thank you that all of us here can relate in some way or another to difficult times in our lives with our families, with our children, our grandchildren. We ask you today, Lord, 
to intercede on behalf of these issues. We just ask that you would heal Jeremy deep down inside, that you would take away the want to. There would be no more desire except no more desire for the uh, alcohol, drugs, whatever other the addiction might be, but that you would fill him with such a thirst and desire for you and your word that he would be filled to overflowing. We pray for all the relationships that are broken, that need healing, that you would intervene in those situations too. Oh God, we know that everything you accomplished on the cross was for our good. And we stand on faith, as Michael asked, knowing that you hear our prayers and will intervene in these situations. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. So we lift our hands in one accord, singing, Blessed be the name, blessed be the name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's try that again. You got it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. So we lift our holy hands in one accord. Singing, blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Glory to God.
just a closer walk with Thee. Grant it, Jesus, is my plea. Daily walking close to Thee, let it be, dear let it be. I am weak, but Thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long. As I walk, let me walk close to Thee. Just a closer walk with Thee. Grant it, Jesus, is my plea. Daily walking close to Thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. Oh, let it be, dear Lord, let it be. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. There really ought to be a sign upon my heart don't judge me yet, there's an unfinished part. But I'll be perfect just according to his plan, fashioned by the master's loving hand. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, he's still working on me. The mirror of his word, reflections that I see, they make me wonder why he never gave up on me. But he loves me as I am and he helps me when I pray. Remember he's the potter, I'm the clay. Cause he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. Look, must be, he's still working on me. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. 
He's still working on me. He's still working on me. Yeah, he's still working on me. <laughs> oh, songs that carry me through sometimes. Don't want to give a pretentious message that it's an easy walk. Pretend everything's honky-dory. I need them today as much as I did ever. Only today I realize it more. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, God. Thanks, Doug. Personal goal as I work the scriptures today to cling all the more to Jesus who is the path of all blessings. All eyes on Jesus is really what it's really about. I want you to look at this map that's behind me, uh, if we have it here. This map highlights where we've been in our study of Joshua. Moses is dead. Joshua, his successor, now being led by the commander of the Lord's army, is leading the people of God into the promised land. Heading west, they miraculously go through the Jordan River when it's at flood stage. Uh, they go through on dry ground. When they get to the other side, they build a memorial at Gilgal to remind them of the amazing things that God has done for them. They continue heading west where, miraculously, they conquer Jericho. Amazing victory. Praise be to God, one of the great Bible stories of, of all times. From there, they continue west to Ai, where at first, due to the sin of one man, and because Joshua failed to pause and hear from the Lord, they were defeated. So a second memorial is planted there to remind them that the wage of sin is death. So now they've dealt with the sin. They're being led by the Lord. They move forward in victory. And a third memorial is established there at Ai, over the body of the king of Ai, to remind them and all who will hear that God will bring all wickedness to justice. We can be sure of that. Now at this point, and this is a big reason why I brought the map today, we see Israel's heading 30 miles north, what appears to be totally out of their way. As we come to Joshua chapter 8, verse 30, we suddenly find the, Israel, the Israelites on Mount, on Mount Abal, and I want you to consider Mount Abal to be the Mount of Cursing, and also there is Mount Gerizim, and I want you to think of that as the Mount of Blessing. And because this jolt to the north seems so random and so sudden that you can read some scholars who will suggest that maybe a different author contributed this little piece that we're looking at today. Uh, others will suggest that somehow it's been misplaced in the text, but that's not true. What's really happened right here, the best of my understanding anyway, is that there was a little bit of instruction that Moses gave before he died, and Joshua is willing to lead the entire army clear out of the path, the path of victory for them, in order to take care of this business that Moses has prescribed. Okay, so I have you there in, uh, in Joshua chapter 8, verse 30, but I want to direct you to Deuteronomy chapter 27, verse 1, and I want you to see Moses' instruction right here. Okay? So it says there, verse 1, Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people. Now let me just stop and say, 
Moses is dead, as are all these elders, okay? Out of disobedience to the Lord, out of grumbling and complaining, none of them got to see the promised land, except for Moses, who struck a rock when God said, speak to the rock, okay? So none of them got to see the promised land. But here they're giving instructions, because even though they're disqualified from entering in the promised land, they wanted to make sure that, that the next generation understood the directives that the Lord had given them. Okay, so here it is. Keep all these commands that I give you today. When you have crossed the Jordan into the land, the Lord your God is giving you. Set up some large stones and coat them with plaster. Write on them how many? All. You better believe it. All the words of the law. Jumping ahead to verse 4 and moving into the middle of verse 4. Set up those stones on Mount Abal. Verse 5. Build there an altar to the Lord your God. An altar of stones. Do not use any iron tool upon them, build the altar of the Lord your God with field stones and offer first burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. Verse 7, sacrifice second fellowship offerings there, eating them and rejoicing in the presence of the Lord your God. Now, if you go back to Joshua chapter 8, Verse 30, you find this is exactly what's taking place. If you notice in verse 30, Joshua's on Mount Ebal. He's building an altar to the Lord using uncut stones. If you go to verse 31, they're offering these two types of offerings, burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. If you go to verse 32, you'll find that Joshua has selected these large stones. He's covered them with lime, covered them with plaster, and is indeed now carving into them the law of the Lord. So I believe there's some very practical things just in that section alone, so I want to talk about them. But before we get to the practical side, first, why Mount Ebal? Well, I want you to look at this next image of these two mountains here. To the right is Mount Ebal, to the left is Mount Gerizim. You can see these are developed today, but this is the exact place. Right there in the valley in between is another mountain that kind of disappears in this image, but it's a very important mountain in Israel's history. It's Mount Shechem. Uh, this is the place where the Lord led Abraham some 700 years earlier and first told Abraham that he was giving them all of this land as the land of promise. So Abraham built an altar there. Jacob later on would settle there. And all through the scriptures you find this place uh, Shechem being, being named, so this is exactly where we are, very prominent place in Israel's history, but if you look at it in, in the scheme of all Israel, very central as well. Okay, so now let's get to some of the practical sides of these three things that I, that I mentioned to you. First, why were the stones to be used in this altar to be uncut? Why was it that no iron tool was to be used in fashioning these stones? Okay, to help us to understand why, because this is all about prophecy, God telling us things that are developing in his kingdom, I need to cross-reference you to the New Testament, to a very important piece of scripture, probably one many of you are familiar with, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and see what it says right there. It says this, it says, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. What's those next three words? 
Not by works, right? Not by human effort. Not by the hands of men. So that no one can boast. No one can take credit before God. So God doesn't want us building altars that give us glory. God wants us building altars that give him glory. And for this reason, there was to be no evidence other than stacking the stones, but no fashioning that would cause some sinner to look at these stones and think, oh, if only I were so gifted, then I too could be a spiritual person. No, that's never the message of, of, of the scriptures. When, when I was a, a youth pastor in, in Greeley, I scheduled a retreat, high school retreat, the same weekend that a Christian band by the name of Petra was going to be in Denver. And it was the Petra on Fire concert, and so I wanted to incorporate it, so what I did was we started our retreat on Friday night at the Petra concert, and then we went away for our Petra on Fire event, and in my planning, I decided I'd call the band and talk to their manager, so I called them up, and I said, you told them what we were doing, and I was hoping they'd get real excited with me about this, and I thought, you know, would one of the band members enjoy just coming and talking to our high school group? And I'll just never forget what this manager said to me. He said, you don't want the band members to come to your retreat. And I was like, why not? He said, because what you see on stage, that's what they are. And they wouldn't be any good in any other environment. I was like, are you kidding me? I don't even want them coming to my retreat. You know, I mean, I appreciate their music. We had a good time at the concert and such. But the deal is we think that just because someone's on stage in a band or they get a record out, uh, that they're spiritual, right? Or that they can do some great work of art, you know, in the image of God or whatever, that they must be spiritual. And if only I could be like that, then I too maybe would be spiritual, not the message of the kingdom. And it's for this very reason that we need to be praying for Colton Burpo right now. You know, the kid who had the experience, Heaven is for Real. Todd Burpo wrote that book. Movie's coming out next month. I mean, Colton is a rock star personality, and people get around Colton, and they're so disappointed because he's just a teenager, all right? Just because he had this experience, we assume, oh, man, if I can only touch him, you know? And we're just amazed by the work of men. So let's not assume this in any way, but what God wants is simple altars. And the application here is, what is it that you think you need to be or to do before you will be a better Christian or before you can even become a Christian or become a spiritual person? The truth is, God wants you in uncut form. Yeah. You ever buy the DVDs of movies, you know, and you want all the special bonus features because you always want to know what the uncut scenes are, right? Because we don't get the whole picture of the thing. God wants you in uncut form, meaning he wants you to come to him just as you are so that if and when anything good comes out of your life, the only thing anybody will be able to do is look to God and say, all glory to God. Testimonies to him. So uncut stones. Can you get this, folks? Can you just see yourself coming to know? I'm uncut. I'm coming just as I am. And what I am is what I am. I'm yours, Lord. Awesome, huh? Yeah, I love that. I love that. Because it just speaks to where I'm at. Now, these two types of offerings. Okay, we have this burnt offering. It's an animal sacrifice that was to be totally destroyed by the fire. 
Okay? It represents a total consecration of self to God. In other words, we must all die. That's what God wants from you and me. If you want to know what he wants, he wants just all of us. Okay, burnt offerings on his altar. We place ourselves there. If you want to know what worship is all about, you have to go over to Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, uh, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, placing your whole self. On the altar of God. Not some grand thing you're going to do. You know, look at me. I must be spiritual now. No, just you. Put yourself on the altar. Burnt offerings. Fellowship offerings are also animal sacrifices, but they weren't to be totally destroyed. In fact, they were to be shared among the priests and among the people because they symbolize gratitude. They symbolize fellowship. They symbolize a commitment between ourselves and between God. So today, God invites us to enjoy fellowship with him in a commitment to him, a relationship to him that has a a commitment forever, right? Because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And this is why Moses in Deuteronomy 27, where we just were, verse 7 says, eating them and rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. I think too often when we partake of communion, we, we set a somber tone. Okay, uh, sometimes I, I just want to set a joyous tone because of what Jesus has done for us. We have life, right? And because of what Jesus did for us, we become testimonies to a world that is in desperate need of the living God. So you get these two things, okay? Burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. We see both of them there. But there's still one more piece in these first verses that I need us to look at, and that's verse 32, where we have these large stones that are covered with lime, covered with plaster, and then Moses or Joshua carves the law into them. If we go back to Joshua chapter 1, where Joshua is being commissioned by God, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, you must lead these people into the land that I have promised. And he gave them five statements about the law. I just want to look at them briefly. Okay, starting with verse 7, chapter 1, Joshua, God says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. That's one. Number two, verse 7, Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Jumping to chapter 8, verse 3, the third one, uh, Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Then number four, meditate on it day and night. Number five, so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So not only was Joshua to build an altar to the Lord, he was to keep the law of the Lord before the people. And what this is about, it's about fundamentals. Okay, It's about don't forget the basics. It just blows my mind that no matter what level of sports a person may achieve or attain to, you always hear the coach yelling the same things over and over and over again. And it makes you just wonder, don't they ever get it? I mean, it's the same thing again and again. And the problem is we have a problem of forgetting. We forget the basics, right? Uh, the mother of all learning is repetition. We need to hear it again and again and again. Yet when it comes to our faith 
if you think of someone as being fundamental in their faith, it takes on all these negative connotations because we've associated fundamental faith with all sorts of legalisms. What's that? That's just complicated God, okay? If you want to see the hand of the devil messing up, trying to mess up God's church because Jesus said he will not prevail against it or maybe things we're calling God's church aren't even God's church at all, right? Look at how it's complicated and the more fundamental it becomes, the more complicated it gets. Oh my word. We've got to get back to the basics. And so in Joshua 8.35, we read, there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children, the aliens who lived among them. Direct obedience to those five things that I just showed you. You see, in Joshua's day, the law was external to the believer in the sense that it was written upon hard stone. Today, God's word becomes internal to the believer in the sense that God wants his word to come alive in us so it's written on hearts of flesh. Okay, so it's written on our hearts. Okay, very important. And you find these statements again and again in Scripture that describe this. But I want to show you one of them from Hebrews chapter 8. Okay, look at this, verse 15. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, after all that has been accomplished by Jesus on the cross and prevailing over the grave and then being seated at the right hand of the Father. He says, This is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, and this is awesome, listen to this. Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Anybody grateful for that? Yeah. Yeah, Verse 18. And where these have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. End of sacrifice. Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice to end all sacrifices. So in Joshua's day, external, written on law. Today, in our day, internal, written upon our hearts and upon our minds. You see, there's a, the, the external law served its purpose. I mean, it showed us how far from a holy God we really were. It showed us that we're not yet willing or ready to meet a righteous judge. It proved to us that we couldn't be everything we need to be in order to become kingdom citizens. We needed help, okay? So just as these stones on Mount Abal reminded those people that the law is the path to blessing and to victory living, we need to let Mount Abal remind us that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law, ultimately the path to all blessing, so that the law only became an arrow to point us to Jesus Christ, okay? So that calls me to just ask you, who's on the throne of your heart today? Think about it seriously. Who's calling the directives and the shots in your life today? Because we have a problem in that we keep taking this rightful place that God wants to have in our lives, the place of the Holy Spirit, and it's only as we yield to the Holy Spirit that there, is there any possibility of us being the kind of people that God created us to be. Taking those laws and summarizing them in two simple statements. 
love, your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we hear that, and because we're so programmed with it, we think, yeah, that's easy. But when it comes right down to it, we are failing every single day. And we need to recognize how desperately we need God's help just to fulfill those things, okay? Anybody with me here? Can you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, thanks for being honest, okay? The rest of you, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what to do with you. All right. Uh, some of you are just barely now getting your arms up. I, yeah. <laughs> it's that arthritis. Sorry. Don't, don't write me off yet, Pastor. I'm getting there, okay? The arm's going up. Uh, verse 32 of Joshua 8. So there in the presence of the Israelites, Joshua copied on stones the law of Moses, which he had written. All Israel, aliens, guess who that includes? Rahab, the prostitute, and her family, right? Yeah, and probably others we don't know about. And citizens alike, with their elders, officials, and judges, were standing on both sides of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, facing those who carried it. Those carrying it were the priests, who, who were the Levites. Half of the people stood in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them st stood in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had formally commanded when he gave instructions to, what's those next three words? And you know I love blessing you, right? Every week at the end, I love blessing you. Yeah, there it is. So there's Joshua, blessing the people of Israel. Afterward, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as written in the book of the law. So what I want to do now is I want to get this image of Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim back up here, because I want you to, to look at this place, okay? Right there in the, in the canyon there on Mount Hebron uh, would be the, um, the uh, Ark of the Covenant. The people have situated themselves now around the, the Ark of the Covenant, just as Moses had commanded, and the way he commanded it went like this, okay? With the exception of the tribes of Reuben and Zebulun, everyone was situated according to which wife of Jacob their family line had come from, okay? So those with their backs to the Mount of Cursing were from the line of these women, Zilpah and Bilhah, all right? So here they're standing here. It's Gad, Asher, Dan, Naphtali, and then as I said, we add Reuben and Zebulun. All right? Now those with their backs toward the Mount of Mount Gerasim, the Mount of Blessings, were those who had Leah and Rachel as their mother, names that you're more familiar with, right? And these included Simeon, Issachar, Joseph, who would be represented by Ephraim and Manasseh, and Benjamin. Okay, now, if you look at where they're situated now, they're not all up at the top. They're situated in this valley. It created kind of a natural amphitheater so that anything that was said would be heard, so that when Joshua was speaking, they could hear Joshua. And when the people respond, it kind of creates an echo so that everybody hears exactly what, what's being said. So half the people, those people on, on the left representing blessing, those people on the right representing cursing, and right here on this spot, no comfortable chairs, okay? No, no fancy chairs, no fancy auditorium, but right here on the spot, Joshua read potentially the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, 
Leviticus, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Yeah, right here, right here. This is what's going on. Now, some people you might read will say that where I've been taking over in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, which is a summary of the blessings and cursing, that's probably what he read. No, because what did it say? They read how much? All the law. Right. Now, as your pastor, you could imagine, I would far rather talk to you about blessings than cursing, okay? It's, it's a whole lot more fun listening to blessings, right? Yeah, and, and I think typically in America, if you go to churches, you know, what you're going to hear are those verses that are positive and that will build you up, you know, kind of send you with a touchy-feely kind of thing. But we've got a major problem in this church, and that's that we're teaching the Bible one book at a time, and oftentimes we're taking it verse by verse. Oh, man, is that terrible or what? No, it's not terrible. <laughs> but if you read in Joshua 27, the curses, what you'll find right there is basically a summary, and it looks much like the Ten Commandments, a summary of exactly why God is bringing his judgment against the Canaanites. It's, it's all described right there. And so as these, these are being read, as the curses are being read, the people are shouting, Amen, which means so be it, which is like them entering into this agreement that it's a spoken word that really matters. We don't need a notary. We don't need a lawyer. Between us and God, we are speaking this promise to God that we realize the path to blessing is not found in going after these things, okay? So I want you to just hear a few of them because it's a pretty big list, and you can check. <clears throat> I get excited. Man, I get wound up. <sighs> breathe, Michael, breathe. Slow down. Yeah, okay. Just read a few of these, and I want you to respond with the amen here. Verse 15, Deuteronomy 27. Cursed is a man who carves an image or casts an idol, a thing detestable to the Lord, the work of the craftsman's hands, and sets it up in secret. And all the people said, yeah, and, and isn't that interesting, the work of the craftsman's hands is going right in with the, the natural stones being used in the altar, uncut stones. Verse 16, cursed is the man who dishonors his father or his mother, and all the people said, yeah, cursed is the man who moves his neighbor's boundary stone, and all the people said, cursed is the man who leads the blind astray on the road. Yeah, and then one more. Curse the man who withholds justice from the alien, the fatherless, or the widow. Amen. Yeah, there's some, uh, an idea of the blessings. Most of them, if you read on, have to do with uh, uh, just sex, sexuality, marriage, um, misuse of the gifts that God has given us in that way. Now, I want you to hear a few of the blessings but, I, but it's all chapter 8, so I have this song I learned a long time ago that summarizes and gives us the first blessings. Listen, listen to it. Now it shall be, if you will listen to the voice of the Lord, faithful to obey all his commandments, he will set you high above all other nations. And all of these blessings shall overtake you. There will be blessings in the city. 
Blessings in the country, plenty of children, and plenty to feed them. There will be plenty of sheep and cattle, plenty of fruit and bread. Blessings when you're coming in, blessings when you're going out. Does that sound like our nation? Does that grieve you a little bit that maybe we're forgetting the basis on which our Constitution was written and how we prospered? Can anybody say with me, glory to God from whom all blessings flow? Can you say that? Glory to God from whom all blessings flow. Glory to God from whom all blessings flow. The law was given as an arrow. It reminds us that left to ourselves, we face nothing but problems. But it's in alignment with him that we find ourselves on the path of blessing. And therefore, the law reminds us we need a Savior. And friends, today, we stand in the valley of decision between two mountains. Our valley looks a little different than the one I've showed you today. Today, we stand in the Kidron Valley. Today we stand in that place outside of the walls of the city of of our great God, the city of Jerusalem. Today we stand below the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed and blood flowed from his hands. Because today, to our left, as we stand in the Kidron Valley, in the Valley of Decision, there to our left is Mount Calvary. That is the path to blessing. It is the mountain upon which Our Savior died. It's the mountain upon which our Savior took our sins and the curse of sin upon himself to the grave so that we would no longer have to fear standing before a holy God. This is the mountain of blessing. It's the Mount of Calvary. It's the place where Jesus died so we would no longer have to fear death. It's the place that reminds us, hold on to Jesus with everything you have. But to our right, it's the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives is the Mount of Cursing. And and it's fascinating because so often as believers, we get all excited because this is the direction in which Jesus is coming. But it's the Mount of Cursing. And it's fascinating to me that when you go there, it's filled with dead man's bones everywhere people are paying over ten thousand dollars a plot to have their bodies buried there because when jesus comes they want his shadow to be cast over them first it's amazing you're blown away all of those tombs right there but it's the the amount of cursing because the next time jesus comes he's not coming with grace he's coming with justice And all evil will be dealt with once and for all. And so what this is a call to is for us to grab a hold of what was accomplished on the Mount of Blessing so that we will not face the penalty, the curse of sin upon Jesus' appearing. Hold on to Jesus, my friends, now. Now is the day of decision. Now we're in the valley of decision because when he comes, that's it. He's coming as judge. Get ready. Jesus is coming. I want to give thanks to our Lord Jesus Christ who took 
the curse of sin upon himself and carried it to the grave. Anybody want to give glory to God for that? You better believe it. I want to give thanks to God who will pour out all kingdom blessings upon anyone who will believe. Anybody want to give thanks to God for that? I want to give thanks to God who upon our believing seals us with the gift of his Holy Spirit as a security on deposit until he comes and also comes alongside of us as a teacher to empower us and to give us the things of God so that we can know how we should walk. Is anybody grateful for that? I want to give thanks to Jesus Christ who has promised us and inheritance in his eternal kingdom. Is anybody grateful for that? Yeah. <laughs> Mount Gerizim, the Mount of Blessing. Mount of all, the Mount of Cursing. Mount Calvary, the position of blessing. Mount of Olives, the place where we face justice. The Mount of the Curse. Today is the day. Today we are back to basics. It's fundamentals, my friend. And if you don't know Jesus Christ... Listen, right now, consider in your heart what he's saying to you. Hear his words. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Hear him calling you out even now. I need you, Lord. If you're a believer, it's about resetting your sights. I've gotten my focus off track. I need to refocus. I need to get my eyes back on you today in that valley of decision valley of decision that valley of decision I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward right now I'm going to invite our prayer warriors those who want to pray with people to come over here to this part of the auditorium right now if God is drawing you to Jesus, if God is calling you to a recommitment, I want to invite you because once we dismiss, it'll just go away like a vapor, like the birds have snatched it away. And if God is drawing you in any way, just come and, and these folks will pray with you. No one will pay attention except between you and God. And that's the only thing that matters. Glory to God for his word. Hallelujah.